everybody. Welcome back to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard, and joining me as always, Tommy Johnson, and yes, Daniel Zollinger, back from his world travels. Uh, be happy to hear what he saw uh, in, along the way, but uh, happy to have him back with us. Uh, got a great game. LSU won handily uh, against Grambling. I think we all expected that. I'll be honest. I, I did not expect 72 points, but... Me either. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's great. Um, I guess BK... I mean, it's it's not the first time, at least not this season either, that teams have obviously tried to push the pedal to the floor with some of these games. I guess, you know, they're aware of the eye test, especially if you lose horribly in your week one game to FSU. But anyway, we'll get into all that. Uh, it was a good game for the Tigers. We'll talk about that. Uh, definitely the rest of college football, because it's still just as interesting as week one. And then, of course, we start our true real season this week as we travel to mississippi state uh we go to starkville to face the bulldogs and that starts the gauntlet so we'll have all of that and anything else that comes up before we get into all that i want to check in with you guys co-host good to be back with us all three together um daniel yeah i, mean, I don't know if you had anything interesting along the way i think last year you even ran into some lsu fans uh where you were so i don't know if that happened again yeah. Love to hear about it. But if not, you know, still anything interesting that you heard, Tommy, good to be back with you also. Uh, so, so how are you guys doing? Hey there guys. Good to be back. Stateside came in late last night, flying in from Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, I had a good vacation. Sorry. I couldn't make it to the podcast last time. I know y'all held it down well in my absence. Uh, unfortunately the Tigers couldn't really say the same against Florida state. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Kelly poured it on against Grambling, tying the score that we had against A&M a couple of years ago in that seven overtime game at 72. Uh, so that's a, a good trendsetter. And then, yeah, excited for this week, uh, week three, going to SEC play. And I haven't been really able to watch much, if any, college football. So uh, very much looking forward to that myself. And like you said, Scott, on my trip last year, I met some LSU fans in Northern Ireland, but no such luck this time. Um, oh. I guess they, uh, the, the tr European travelers were, were in a different place, but uh, we had to represent for them. I wore my LSU merchandise in a few places, but no places, <laughs> but nobody called me out. But yeah, still had a, a good trip and excited to be back on the podcast here with y'all. Right on. Yep. Good to be with you. Good to be talking about an LSU win. Uh, I mean, 72 points that there was a, there was a time when that would, uh, that would have cost Daniel a Jersey. Uh, <laughs> so now we're, you know, now we're on to college football where, uh, and only, only longtime listeners will, will know that reference, but, um, Good, good to get back on track. Good to have Daniel back here with us. And, uh, you know, let's let's get on to the SEC play. Let's do it. Uh, Got to talk about this Grambling game first. Um, as, you know, as, as, as the score indicates, it was a cakewalk for the Tigers, although I would say from the second quarter on. Um, but as Daniel mentioned, you know, most points since the uh, game against Texas A&M, which was seven overtimes, to... Go back to when LSU had that many points in a regular, like a, you know, a regular game time game, just regulation play. You're going to have to go back to probably when 
some of our listeners weren't even born yet. Uh, this was back in 91. So it just goes to show you, uh, LSU, we've seen them score high points before, uh, but to score 72 is just, I don't know, amazing. And I'm, I'm get, I have a feeling Brian Kelly was trying to make a point because, you know, obviously we've seen previous LSU coaches take their foot off the gas at that point. Yeah, we can put in our backup, but, you know, a lot of that, at that point, it's a lot of running plays. And we, you know, did that. We had plenty of uh, running backs with uh, good yardage, but uh, we actually saw three quarterbacks play. We had Daniels, we had Nuss, and we got to see a little bit of Ricky Collins. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine Brian Kelly was just trying out a few things, but was not shy about running up the score. Make of that what you will. Honestly, in today's college football, in this whole eye test BS, I, I really, do, I guess, I don't have a problem with it. Um, back in the day, it used to be a sportsmanship thing, but I don't think that's the case anymore. That's really fallen by the wayside. Uh, but if you just look at the, you know, the breakdown of the game, Jaden Daniels, our offense definitely looked better. It looked like Daniels actually had some time to throw the ball, from from what I could see. Uh, obviously, Grambling is no match for FSU as far as their line play goes. But still, uh, like the the plays were there. Jaden was able to make them. Our guys were even able to catch the ball this week. So I guess they worked some stuff out. You know, it's hard to tell because it's grambling. But we got Mississippi State coming up. We got to play on the road 11 a.m. in Starkville with those metal bells clanging. Uh, I don't know, Tommy, do you... Obviously, we're just kind of going through some motions, doing we probably did in practice and it just looked great. Uh, do you feel better about things now as we're heading into SEC play? Or do you think, well, you know, I, I know how the, the first game looks. This game, I don't know if it really told us anything. I mean, I, I, I think this game did tell us, did tell us, uh, it told us a story in, in a lot of ways. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to see. Now, I mean, I know if you look at the box score, 72 to 10, you think, man, that's an absolute blowout. But let's let's look at what the first, what the score was after the first quarter. <laughs> it was fourteen ten. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know that sometimes you know it's like you get a slow start, or da, 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 da. but I don't know. We did not look good in that first quarter at all. I mean, that was terrible. Um, I, I was more disappointed with the way we played in that first quarter than I was, you know, with most of the game in the FSU game. Um, I think seventy two points is excessive. Sure. But um, I feel like with the way that that first quarter went, Kelly was like, I want to leave no doubt. And I want to uh, I, I want when people to look at this, look at the basically like what we're talking about right now. Like you look back at the box score, if you, if you didn't watch the game, which most people are not watching Grambling LSU, um, you know, all they're going to see is 72 10. They're going to say, wow, that was a, an absolute beatdown. But um, I mean, it, I, I was I was kind of disappointed with his performance. Um, I mean, the, it was it, it was great to see you know Nussmeier. It was great to see Ricky Collins, uh, Logan Diggs, who's the guy I've been excited about. Got his first touchdown as an LSU Tiger. That was cool. Um, but I mean, Denver Harris, you know the the guy who's supposed to be a five star, supposed to be the best, you know, the, maybe, maybe the best corner on our team. I mean, he looked bad, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he had multiple penalties and was getting beat, was getting, you know, getting beat off the ball and getting beat in the air. Um, I don't know. 
it's a win's a win. Like I'm glad we took care of business. I'm glad it, I'm glad that that after that first quarter we really like you know locked in and and just put it on them, which is what we needed to do. But I don't know about this team, man. And of course, I'm the I'm the guy who's you know I think I had the most the bull the most bullish outlook out of the three of us going into this season. But um, I don't know. Well, I guess one way you could maybe spin it positively is that um, Brian Kelly and his team, especially on defense, made adjustments and and tightened the screws after the first quarter. And the I, the one touchdown that Grambling did score, I saw the highlight was like a wraparound catch by their wide receiver around Denver Harris and kind of mossed him almost. That was uh, embarrassing. I think this he got is, put this on, is like put the on consensus the number that. one quarterback in his class. And that's an area that we highlighted before FSU that got exposed and then possibly here and Mississippi state, um, no more Mike Leach air raid, rest in peace. Uh, but they know how to throw the ball a little bit. So it could be a a concern going forwards, Uh, at least with Grambling, they did get to try out multiple schemes, multiple levels. They were down to like the fourth string, basically across the, the board by the end. So people got some snaps, um, and you, you can take that from this game that hopefully that gives us some things to work for in practice this week. Um, players down the depth chart trying to prove themselves. And yeah, you had guys like Caleb Jackson, true freshman with two touchdowns and 60 yards. Uh, and then Logan Diggs, big game in his first start in an LSU uniform uh, coming home. So congrats to him as well. Uh, but yeah, defense, we only had one sack uh, all game. I, I think we had a, fair amount of pressure but um that's a stat that you'd like to get bumped up especially with mason smith returning and our, our vaunted defensive line so only one sack probably won't cut it come november in sec play uh and we'll we'll look to to improve that going forwards yeah well in addition to that and i was going to bring that up because it kind of ties in with what tommy was saying about well you look at the box score 72 10 could look impressive but if if you know this team like we do, you look at other areas and you wonder, okay, well, yeah, maybe Grambling had some sneak plays, some tricks up their sleeve, and they they kept it 14-10 until the second quarter. But, I mean, you, yeah, you look at the their quarterback. I mean, he had that one touchdown. But other than that, I mean, they only passed for 163, which is a few more yards than they rushed for. Uh, so we at least contained some some rushing, but if you look at the defense, in addition to what Daniel said, like we didn't get one sack as far as tackles for loss. We had four as a team. I, you know, I, I remember plenty of games in previous years where one guy by himself would have four against, you know, a competition like this. And then you look even further and you're like, okay, yeah, Mason Smith is back. What did he, what did he, he had one. Is that right? Yeah. One tackle. <laughs> I mean, he was one of the tackles for loss, granted, but still one tackle. The dude they tried to move this game up two weeks for so that he could play against Florida State had one tackle. Harold Perkins, the guy that, uh, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to change things around for him to make him more active in every play. Didn't really happen against Florida State, so they were going to try and rework things to use him more against scrambling and he had one tackle also. So yeah, that's, I don't, I don't know. Say that's, that's concerning, weird. but I think Harold Perkins kind of slow start to the season is, is not what LSU fans were hoping for. They were ready for Harold Perkins, like Heisman season as a 
edge rusher and that hasn't quite materialized yet i mean i i i think that the and you know maybe maybe this is this is still possible but going into the season i was thinking he's going to be the 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 guy who takes over for will anderson you know what i mean like they they fit the type they fit the the type of way they play the physical uh you know the, the physical attributes of both um Gosh, I don't know, Daniel. I, I, you weren't um, uh, on the last podcast that you weren't here for. I was talking to Scott about. Do you remember? I think it, I don't think it was. No, it definitely wasn't last year. It was two years ago, the year that O got fired. When Kirk Herbstreit was talking about LSU, and he's like, "This LSU defense just isn't what we were used to. Like they're not mean in you know, like just just gritty." they mm-hmm. seem kind of soft and and last year i think we i think we had an improvement from that 2021 defense um this year with after watching after watching kind of the way that we played florida state and then this game which of course like like you said scott i mean held him 10 points and scored 72 it's a win that's a solid win no one's questioning that but some of the plays like we like you mentioned Daniel, with like denver harris getting mossed by, by this you know yeah i don't know and then then like just no real no real pressure no no like you said no tackles for losses no big sacks or anything like that I don't yeah know. i mean it's maybe just... that's kind of the, the byproduct of growing up in like a less miles era lsu but like when i think of lsu as like a kind of gritty defense they'll play you physically top to bottom safety's coming hard over the top lockdown corners on the outside and then some big old Louisiana boys in the middle stuff in the run. And then the offense like is a compliment almost. And it's kind of reversed in some sense recently. So maybe just some cognitive dissonance there. It's just what you're used to is not what you're seeing, but I completely agree. Like the, the lack of, of physicality and uh, kind of big playmakers, I guess you could say on the defensive side of the ball is, is something where LSU could, really use some help i think because you don't have like a i mean you have harold perkins and and mason smith but you don't have a guy like honey badger you don't have a um even people like grant delpit or somebody who like he'll make a big play for you at some point in the game like that's something i mean last year i think about jay ward Mm -hmm. jay ward is a guy who you know you would not put as a i mean he wasn't wearing number seven he wasn't a guy that was um I mean, I think I think he's in the didn't he go? He went to the Eagles, I think. I think he's yeah. like, you know, I think he was drafted like fourth or fifth round. But um, he's not a superstar. But he was a defensive back that would that was willing to get in there and and, and you know now Greg Brooks, I got to give credit. I mean, he's he's a, he's a solid player for us. Um, but I don't know this defense. This defense, this. I mean, obviously, our, our I think our offense is okay, but it's just disappointing. Yeah, and it's like the very beginning of the season. Um, there is does seem to be something missing as far as the the physicality and like an identity on defense because we used to play some bruiser ball and just were ball hawks in the air. Question, because I saw it brought up after last week. If we didn't mention it last pod, should we just bring back the big cat trail? Like something that's going to make guys go against each other every practice you know, iron sharpens iron type of thing. I mean, that's, I'm kind of half joking, but I'm kind of serious. I just, like you said, that was no... what I used to live for when those videos would come out. Yeah, I know. 
and it was it was nothing because it was just them at practice. But uh, I, I think that competition constantly going against each other. I mean, who who cares if a fight breaks out at that point? But it's like you're going to be tough for the game, and I, it just doesn't seem like we are. I, I now I, I guess I'm kind of backtracking to my own my own point. I I maybe and Daniel, you kind of you kind of alluded to this. Part of it is the game has changed. You know, like that. I don't know how how that 2010 or 2011 LSU defense does against a Bryce Young led Alabama or a Joe Burrow or you know what I mean like Caleb, mm-hmm. or, uh, Caleb Williams. So the game has changed. The de- defense has changed. Um, but it just I'll doesn't s- feel like we're, we're we're missing something. Well, I'd say we are missing because even if that 2011 defense played against FSU the first week, I can't say that they would have shut them down completely or that FSU, you know, still wouldn't have won. But, I mean, they would have been running through our guys in the fourth quarter just breaking tackles to put the game well, completely out of reach. We, like, the, the thing that, the, you know, the thing that we didn't have, and I think, I think that's exactly it, Scott something that we never had issues with in that kind of the heyday of LSU defenses is open field tackling and like making, making tackles. Like I can't think of a time when like uh, uh, Kevin Minter didn't like, I mean, I mean he might've gone down, but he made the tackle. Like the guy wasn't going through him. <laughs> like, and, and I mean, there were so we had so many great linebackers like that and, and, and safeties too, like Ron Brooks or, uh, um, I mean, it's just count. Let me Jamal Adams, obviously. Um, We just don't have that talent. And I think now, now something that I've seen some, some people on the LSU, you know, boards and forums saying is, Hey, Brian Kelly told us this. He told us we were a year away. Maybe that's accurate. And maybe, you know, maybe it's almost like last year was, was as much as, as cool as it was for us to go to the SC championship and, and compete and beat Alabama. Um, Maybe it's almost like a blessing because it brings our expectations up. It's like, oh well, last year that was year one. What what is your tier gonna year two gonna look like? It's like, well, it does take time to build a program. Yeah, but you you don't really want to waste years in general. No, no, definitely not. Maybe LSU fans are we have somewhat unrealistic expectations where we get a taste of. I mean, we've won three national championships this century, which is a lot more than other schools can say. So we're like, we we want fifteen and zero every year, but you don't you don't want to waste Jaden Daniels having a, a real good season or some of the type of talent we have on defense and stuff. Uh, but yeah, just eliminating silly mistakes. We were harp been harping on that for the past three years, especially twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one O era. You were talking about the missed tackles. I remember in the twenty twenty season, it was like just constant. Like we talked about that every single episode in the football missed season. Tackles like. Uh, bad fumbles. Yeah, that was kicking, painful kicking, football. Kicking uh, kickoffs out of bounds. <laughs> painful football to watch at times. Uh, so if we can just get the fundamentals going, then uh, hopefully we can be well prepared for the SEC schedule, which we'll need to be considering we play five SEC games in a row here starting this week. So uh, the, the season is really officially underway at this point. And unfortunately, we're on the wrong foot with one loss in our pocket. But uh, the, the schedule is clean as far as SEC, and that's what we saw last year. We lost to FSU and ended up making the SEC championship, so plenty of uh, of opportunities for success ahead. 
especially as Alabama lost already and a few other teams have already dropped some. Well, I mean, you do think about, and I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily like this, but FSU, with, especially with Clemson losing, um, Clemson lost, right? Yeah, they lost. Um, FSU's like, you know, pretty much in the, in the pole position for the ACC will probably end up going to the playoff, which I think makes our lo- which will make our loss look a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Only one. LSU is for the most part FSU fans, but it does make it a little more difficult. Not saying the FSU runs the table because there's plenty of opportunities for them to trip up, but in the playoff, you kind of count in like the SEC champion and probably the Big Ten champion as well, mostly likely Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. And then say FSU gets in, and then you've got one spot left over for a Pac-12 that's actually playing really well this year. They've got a lot of teams high up there. Big 12, Texas surging, and then maybe a second SEC team. So there's going to be a lot of competition for that last spot this year in the playoff. I mean, I'm not even necessarily talking about the playoff. I just mean more of like at the end of our season, like whether it's a New Year's Six Bowl yeah, or, yeah. or, or uh, you know, a, a more high-end bowl, something like that. If let's say we go and we have a solid season, maybe we, we go on and we have, you know, one more loss or two more losses. Um if we have a Florida state that's an ACC champion in the, in the playoff, then our loss won't look like, I mean, we won't, we won't look at it the same way we're looking at it right now. Yeah. We'll say that was one of the best teams in the country. And we, we beat, we lost to them. We were not mm-hmm. one of the best teams in the country and that's how it happened. Yeah, I agree. I think LSU can afford a, a loss to a good team like Bama or maybe even Ole Miss who's playing well. We just got to try and skirt around like the stinker we had at A&M last year and, and start checking off the boxes against teams that we should be beating, like starting this week with Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, this, this I, I watched, I got to watch a, a number of games this this uh, weekend, watched the LSU game, watched the Alabama game at the same time. Um, and then I watched uh, Ole Miss play Tulane, which, I mean, if if Tulane has their starting quarterback playing, they win. Like I, I, Tulane pretty much had the game for felt like for like three and a half quarters. Um, but it's just the depth. Like they, you know, they don't have the SEC depth, especially at the mm-hmm. at the defensive line. And say, um, when they gave the ball to Judkins, and he's you know one of the best best backs in the SEC. Um, there's there wasn't much they could do, but. Uh, Ole Miss does scare me a little bit. You know, the one that the one that I get worried about, and I mean, like, obviously, like we lost AM last year, so I mean we shouldn't have lost. They were a terrible team last year, but we lost to them. AM scares me this year. Now I feel like that that could be one that maybe I wasn't I, at least I wasn't even expecting before this season that now after watching AM play a little bit against Miami and um seeing how things are going. Yeah, well, it's a tough game because it's the last one on our schedule coming after Thanksgiving, and it may be at the point where one or both teams don't really have a whole lot to play for, and so that's a chance where it's like you're kind of playing for pride. It's just whoever shows up and wants it more at that point, um, but that's still a long way off. Do y'all have any kind of keys to the game for Mississippi State coming up this week? Like you said, it's going to be 11 a.m. kickoff. Cowbells are going to be clanging. Uh in Starkville, this was one that I highlighted in our kind of season preview podcast a couple of weeks ago as a potential trap game. Mm-hmm. Um, they're much more balanced this year between running and passing with not being coached by Mike Leach. So that'll be a 
a decent challenge for LSU as well. I think, especially on the defensive line spot, but I think if we put up a solid offensive performance, like 30 plus, then we, we should be good to go for the most part. Mississippi state's two and zero, and they've got sec talent, but they don't have five-star talent across the board, which is always their, their problem. Yeah. But I mean, they do still have Will Rogers as their quarterback. And I would say just based off of what they have done against us the last few years, um, just to borrow Tommy's sentiment, yeah, I I would have been a little, I wouldn't say worried, you know, concerned that they could op- light us up, passing-wise at least. Uh, this year, I don't know, like Daniel said, they're a little bit more balanced. They actually are running for more yards per game this year than they are passing. They're like 20-something in the country rushing their way down the list on passing. So I feel like they're more balanced, but I don't know. I I feel like that would kind of play in our favor, Uh, even though we always see ourselves as DBU, but, you know, Mississippi State is just, you know, they just don't have Mike Leach anymore. Uh, So they're not going to light us up for, you know, what was it, like 400 yards passing or or whatever the case. So that that was a nightmare. I know. (laughs) But if we can bottle up their running like we did against – grambling and at least florida state for the most part you know they just kind of beat us through the air uh i feel like we at least have a chance it would great it would be really great if our defensive line could get to their quarterback and stuff the run then we could kind of shut them down i don't know how the whole 11 a.m thing will play i feel like depending on the game that could be it's it hasn't bothered us or it's like just completely threw us off i don't know which is going to be the case until Saturday. But I feel like uh, the fact that they're more balanced could play in our favor. We'll see. Yeah, well, their their last game was at home for Mississippi State against Arizona, which they won 31-24 in overtime. So they barely squeaked by Arizona, who's not exactly known as a college football power. And before that, they beat down southeastern Louisiana pretty badly. Uh, so LSU is going to be their biggest test by far yet so they got a lot to play for and their fans are going to be out there but i think our our talent is just a little bit better across the board lsu's favored by 10 points which seems maybe a little bit high to me Ooh, almost yeah uh, i would not take that i don't know i'd say lsu by maybe six or, gold. six or seven especially on the road um but i'd be happy with just really any sort of win to to get the ball rolling here so <clears throat> This Mississippi State team, though, is not good. I mean, they like you said, Daniel, they squeaked by Arizona Arizona um, in overtime. Will Rogers had 162 yards passing. Mm. Like, this, I don't know. That's just not. <laughs> That's how much he had in a quarter against LSU a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, that was, what's his name? That was before Will Rogers. Remember the guy who had one good game and then he got, he was a transfer? What was mm. that guy? He transferred the game when Stanford. Mississippi State set the record for like passing yards, like, like six. Yeah, that was a different shoot. quarterback. Yeah, um, he, he just transferred out too. I thought he played for like one game, had the best game of his life, then played the next game and was terrible. They put Will Rogers in, and he's been in ever since. Right, lucky um, us. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, I don't know. I I think I think we win. I see in the line at that nine and a half ten. Um. 
I would probably avoid it, but I could see us winning by 10 points. As down as I've been on them, like I, I, I think I'm more down on this Mississippi State. I just don't think they have. I don't think they have an identity. Yeah, KJ Costello was the quarterback who did that to us. Thirty-six for sixty for six hundred and twenty-three yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, that was outrageous. The first game after going fifteen and zero, and that happens. You know, we were at that game. I think. Uh huh. I remember it. It it Everybody, the stadium was like there was like ten thousand fans because of the COVID restrictions, and then LSU's got shell shocked by Mississippi State, and then we all just kind of went home. We're like, what just happened? <laughs> that was uh, the beginning of the end. <laughs> right. I don't think that's going to be the case this weekend. Uh it just depends, you know, if our if our guys are ready to go at 11 a.m. I don't know why we keep doing this, but you know, that's those TV rights. That's why they all want to come to the SEC cuz uh they can get on TV and get some of that share. So, um does anyone have a a score prediction they would like to toss out? I feel uh, like this is I feel like it's like a sluggish game for us. I think we win. I think I think it probably ends up similar to to how the Mississippi State Arizona game is. I think I, I like a score like a uh 35, 35-24, something like that. Yeah, the over under is at 54 right now. I think it's gonna be a little bit lower scoring, actually fairly close. I think I said about seven, so maybe something like uh 24 17 LSU, maybe lower, lower scoring than, than people are, are expecting, but uh, I'll take that win on the road on the SEC. Okay. Uh, I'll take the over under and just apply that and say LSU 34 to 20. We, well, I agree. I think it's going to be a sluggish game, but I think we will pull ahead. Mostly because of uh, what Daniel said. I think we just have overall better talent. It it will be Mississippi State's toughest game so far. Yeah, they had Arizona State. Uh, you know, it's a Power Five conference team. But, uh, I mean, Arizona has just not really shown anything. Uh, they, they can be dream killers in the Pac-12, but they haven't had any success much outside of that. Uh, and who did Mississippi State before that? What was it? Did you say it was Silu, Southeast Louisiana? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they scored 45 points against them, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, they scored 34 against Arizona, and that was in an overtime game. So I think they will have a tougher test against our defense if we have it game planned correctly. I'm hoping that's going to be the case. And everyone who's not showing up in the stats so far, like if Harold Perkins – has another one tackle game this Saturday. I think we lose. Yeah, I, yeah. I will say I think this is kind of a defensive, like kind of put up or shut up here, where the f- defense has got to make a big play to kind of kick start things, like a, a pick six or a, a force or a sack with a force fumble to to turn the tides a little bit and quiet the crowd. Maybe like in, the, in late in the first quarter and, and get us out on the right foot. Because if not, then it could be a long day in uh, Starkville. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Why do we always play Mississippi State at eleven? I think you already said that, Scott. But like, I'm I'm just thinking back to like Mississippi State games, and like numerous of them have been at eleven. I don't know. I don't think it's one of those flex games either, where you know the the station gets to pick. It's just 
whatever. It's like, well, um, we know LSU in this game is going to be a night game. Uh, we'll just put a Mississippi State, 11 a.m. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll give them the noon kickoff. They'll love it. They'll love it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, hey, it's it's what it is. Can't can't complain about that stuff. Uh, but just looking around the rest of college football, uh, I don't know. There maybe was a couple of surprises, you know, a couple upsets, almost some near upsets. Appalachian State almost was a, was another giant killer. They they uh, took North Carolina to overtime. North Carolina eventually won. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Texas is trying to make a name for itself in the SEC before they even get here. Uh, they did that. Uh, is Texas back? Well, you, I, they were, I thought they were back years ago. That's what Sam... Sam Ellinger told us Sam they were back in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah, it's it took a while to come to fruition. Uh, I wouldn't say that either because remember Texas A&M beat Alabama that one year with Johnny Football, and they just wow, we're back. Yeah, it looks like we can take over. And then you know those they're pretty quiet ever since then. So I, I don't base it off of one game. You can, yeah. but I don't know anything else that week. Like because. I mean, I only was able to watch a little bit of it. It seemed pretty even. It was good back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Alabama has a system problem. I, I, I don't know that you can blame it all on Jalen Milrow because Texas still scored all those points on their offense. So Alabama's defense has some question marks. But I don't know. Does it make you make to make you think? All right. Well. You know, maybe Alabama isn't uh, the top dog anymore. We've we beat them last year, and they already look susceptible this year. So, does that make you rethink things for the SEC? I think I think that what what that loss tells me is that in twenty twenty three college football, the important the importance of an elite quarterback to be to be successful at you know the top ten, it be to really compete for the top ten spots. Um, you know, I think that. Jordan Travis is playing, you know, when we played him, we, he showed that he was, you know, pretty up there as far as elite goes. Um, Quinn Ewers looked, looked the part against Alabama. Jalen Milrow, again, very, you know, very talented and somebody who, who I, I, I watched last year um, at times when he got in. And I think there were a lot of questions. I think Alabama fans will tell you they had a lot of questions about him even going into camp, even going, even going out of camp. Um, I think that, um, you know, he, like he, he looked fine, I, but fine wasn't good enough. And, you know, it, against one of the, probably one of the, or what you would say is one of the top teams in the country. Um, now they don't have, they don't have elite receiving like they've had over the past couple of years. They don't have like a Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, um you know any of those um and they made some they had some they had some tough uh like they had some bad kind of errors like on the offensive line and everything but uh i just i think it was i think it was the elite quarterback play winning that game for texas Mm -hmm. right and before this season i predicted alabama to to get it back on track and make it to the playoff and, and solve their quarterback dilemma and maybe that hasn't happened yet. Another one of the hallmarks of Alabama football over the past 
decade is just considering their depth. Like every year you think like, how are they going to replace these guys? But then the next year, somebody else who you've never even heard of steps up and becomes an all American. And it's just like passing the torch from one to the next. And I'm not sure if that's quite happened yet. Uh, this season, nobody's really filled those shoes of the, like the Bryce young and the, the teams they've had the past couple of years, uh, especially on defense. Like we, we mentioned this about LSU, but you're used to Alabama having very strong physical lockdown defense. And that's been something that's, I think has drifted away a little bit from Nick Saban in the past couple of years where L- Alabama is now consistently getting into shootouts with other teams instead of smash mouth football, grind them down on the, the offensive and, def- and defensive lines. Uh, not to dwell too long on Alabama, but uh, yeah, I guess props to Texas and we'll see if they are really back. They're always due for some random terrible loss to a middling big 12 opponent. So like you you look at the schedule, they've got Kansas in a couple of weeks. Like Kansas has been a thorn in their side for some reason. Uh, Who knows when, when Texas is going to stumble, but if they do make it to the red river rivalry with Oklahoma, both teams undefeated. uh, I'd like to see that. I think that's kind of good for the game when both of them are are duking it out. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're totally right. Daniel (laughs) expect Texas to lose one that, that they have no business even being, you know, being competed with in like great, great flag to circle that, uh, circle that Kansas game. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, well, uh, just looking across the, the rest of college football, you know, there's some, some teams I know they didn't probably circle, uh, now a lot of interesting games. We'll see how it shakes out for the rest of the year. Ole Miss and Tulane, it was pretty good for uh, most of the game. Ole Miss kind of pulled away in the end, but uh, Tulane showed it wasn't just like a Cinderella season last year. They they can still compete. Didn't get the win, obviously, but I, I feel like they could still compete with uh, most Mm-hmm. Most like mid-level teams. I was I was excited about this game, obviously, with my alma mater and Ole Miss coming to New Orleans, which is a, is a rarity with the SEC power going to the the lower uh, division. And speaking of which, Alabama is playing at South Florida this year, which is re- or this week, excuse me, which is really weird. Um, That's but, really weird. Uh huh. But yeah, I was hoping Tulane could pull it out against the Rebels and their starting quarterback Michael Pratt, who's really good. Actually, kind of hurt his got an injury late in the first game and then he couldn't go. So they had their backup. Uh, and yeah, like Tommy was talking about earlier, they played them close, but couldn't quite get there. But uh, no real group of five team at this point is like making the undefeated playoff charge like Cincinnati a couple of years ago, but um, maybe they'll get back in the mix late in the season. But yeah, Alabama playing at South Florida is strange. And somebody else is doing that too this week. Um, let's see here. Oh, Oklahoma is playing at Tulsa. Um, I don't, I don't really know why all this is happening where the top teams are playing at the, the lower division, but I'm ready to see LSU play like at Louisiana tech or something. <laughs> well, do, do you remember when Mississippi state came to Louisiana tech and that was mm-hmm. like the biggest game of all time, <laughs> all of Ruston was there. Actually, no, that, that doesn't even say a lot. All of like North Louisiana was there. All of Ruston is like half of tech stadium. <laughs> are, there so, any, are there any well, games y'all are looking forward to this week? Not not know. a packed slate, to be honest. Right. No, there's not. Um, I don't know. I guess FSU and Clemson. I would expect FSU to take care of business. Yeah. But uh, well, I don't they, know. I they guess, don't play this week. 
Oh, they don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I had that mixed up. Um, it's soon. Uh, I don't know. I guess any any week Colorado's playing, it's it's always interesting. I mean, they that train keeps going. Uh, they looked pretty good. They're finally selling out games at home, which they haven't done in like a decade or so. so. Well, they just announced today. That's where College Game Day is going. They're going to Colorado this week for the battle in state against Colorado State, which I assume the Buffaloes will, will pull that out. But yeah, Dion's got the wheels turning. Um, they look real good. I think we kind of underestimated because uh, even I was like, well, yeah, they'll be better than last year because you just have to be better. <laughs> but I didn't think they would be like jump starting and, and filling the stadium and, and bringing the, the money in and the fans in. So I guess good to good on them for that. Yeah. Good for Dion. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, I mean, you, you, like, you can't like, I, you can't root, you can't not root for them. I mean, I enjoy watching them play pretty much any time. Um, I mean, I've been, especially with, with the way LSU's played about, you know, past two weeks, I'm like, you know what, let's see what Colorado's doing. <laughs> right. Uh, um, I, I would say South Carolina, Georgia might be one to look at. Um, they, South Carolina has been able to play spoiler to Georgia over the, over the past couple of years, um, mm-hmm. you know, give them a close game or uh, what maybe three years ago, they beat them. I think 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I really like what Shane Beamer is doing with South Carolina. So that's, that's one to watch. Yeah. And then we got Tennessee going uh, to the swamp against Florida for another decent sec matchup uh getting their season going and then another kind of interesting non-conference game is washington who's been kind of firing on all cylinders going to michigan state who will be without uh mel tucker. Tucker. without mel tucker um for kind of weird circumstances he's been suspended uh after they gave him the big paycheck but um the guy who almost who, who some wanted to, to lsu to hire mm-hmm. but yeah so that, that'll be interesting and yeah, we got Minnesota at North Carolina. Some kind of weird non-conference games this week. Yeah, but everyone else has kind of uh, got it a little bit easy. Now, yeah, just looking across the the schedule, there's there's really not much this weekend. So, I don't know, probably just be uh, MSU-LSU. That's probably one of the bigger matchups, <laughs> believe it or not. True. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird because you know the nfl's back in full swing also and you know the saints are a totally different team than what we've been known what we've been used to uh now all these guys that were making all these headlines last year in college football you know they're getting their welcome to the nfl you know bryce gung bryce young's first game anthony richardson's first game all these guys uh you know they're 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 finding out uh, but I don't know. Do you guys have any, any thoughts on that? Cause I don't know that anyone really had a, like a big impactful entrance into the league. I didn't really see that. I think even though they lost Anthony Richardson actually played decent for the Colts. Um, so, yeah. and that, that was like, a lot of people were like, this could go either really well or really badly. So I guess good for him there. Bryce Young kind of struggled a little bit, but the Panthers are just kind of an awful team. So that was a little bit to oh. be expected. Um, the saints won by kicking a lot of field goals. That's good. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow played absolutely terrible after becoming the gazillion dollar man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, he it's, it's one game. It, it was not great. But still, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, he maybe the really maybe much. his ruse is up. He's like, I've I've done what I needed to do, and now I can just fade away. I hope that's not the case. Daniel's long plan comes to fruition. <laughs> yeah, Daniel yeah. can finally say that say that he was really a bust. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, we'll see at the end of this year, right? I mean, yeah. Well, they they made the Super Bowl and then the AFC Championship back to back, so expectations are high. Not not a good start to the season, losing to the Deshaun Watson Browns in embarrassing fashion. Um, no. Also, how about how about them Cowboys putting the beat yeah, down on, on the Giants? That was. Did horrible. you watch? Did you see how 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 much rain was in that game? Yeah. Like it just looked. I was miserable watching it. Like imagining myself just totally soaked. Hmm. I know. And and I you know what the worst part about that is? And now that we don't we don't really talk about fantasy just because like this is a college football LSU podcast and they, you know, I don't know if people not many people play college fantasy. But I had CD Lamb and Dak Prescott on my fantasy team last night. And uh and I still lost. And it's like, wait, I thought that this was like the most dominant performance the Cowboys had ever had. <laughs> but it didn't translate into fantasy points. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. That's that's the issue I have. That's why, because I, I would stress out, not stress out, but you know, I would be excited. I would be so into it all week, and then something like that happens. Yes, yeah, like, like they, they, I feel like I just wasted team, all those hours. Yeah, fantasy football is kind of a double-edged sword. It makes like random games fun to watch because you're like cheering for your guys. Like I, I don't care about like this wide receiver two for the Denver Broncos, but then it's like, you kind of zero in on that one player, that one thing. So every like play you like clinch and you're hoping he's going to be the guy to make the catch or score the touchdown. And then like when his teammates scores, you're like, no. Well, that's, um, yeah. Like I was watching this, I was watching this Dallas game and like Dak had a, he, he like ran a, a read option. He took it himself and was like good, trying to score. And they, they, they stopped him at like the one yard line. And I was no oh, wait oh because he's because then he's then they don't want to go you know hand, hand it off to the running back or whatever. So yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah, that's that's what they all they only let you down. Of course, unless you win, then you uh, then you're a genius. <laughs> but I don't know some of these people they get like super into it. I, was, I saw this one group where these guys would they'd take their whole group down to like some resort in Mexico every year. One guy gets draft. to wear, well, no, for their, at the end of the season, like the uh, winner gets to wear some certain blazer to dinner that everyone else wears a different blazer, but basically it's, it's their NFL draft group. Yeah. Going to a resort for the culmination. It's like their award ceremony. Hmm. Like that is, sounds cool. It's a little yeah. bit much, <laughs> uh, but anywho, uh, Anything else? I know Kim Mulkey got a big contract. Congrats to her. I guess you could say well-deserved, you know, but yeah, I know they're just paying her for that at bringing LSU back up until this point. So I don't know. I had a question about this too, because to me, it's like uh, there's, you see a lot where coaches can get some success, then they get paid. And then after that, huh? I don't know. I think Daniel kind of alluded to it earlier with Burrow getting a, becoming the most paid quarterback or player in NFL history. And then his first game after that was a dud. It always brings me back to Notre Dame back in the, I'd say early two thousands 
Charlie Weiss brought them back. Like they were competing against USC. It was that, that one year. Yeah. Um, and he got paid for that. He got like, they, they, I don't know if they're still paying him. They were up until like at least a couple of years ago. Yeah. To, they had to space it out. But it's like these coaches that do well and then they get paid incredible amounts of money, but it's always for previous success. Like they never get after that. What do you guys think about that? Is it it's probably not going to go away, but I mean, uh, is it is it deserved because she's already won a title and it doesn't matter because we're back? Or do you think teams should wait a certain amount of time before they unload that type of cash, especially in college? Um, I mean, I think it's just I think it's just the nature of the business. You think about you think about LSU. I can I would almost guarantee that when Scott Warble was hired in in, in going into twenty nineteen. <laughs> like Coach Orgeron was not going to be his his head coach moving forward, and was sure surely not going to be extended with a huge extension and all this money. Well, then they won the national championship and had the greatest season of all time, and it's like, well, you know what, kind of have to. Um, so I, I think that there's definitely like all you know the in agents, you know, the, the business side of it, they make it that way. Where they're like, look, our our guy just won you the national championship and brought millions of dollars to your school and everything like that. You know, either lock him up now or I don't know what's going to happen. You know, in the future. So, I think um, I think it's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. Here's a take that may be somewhat controversial. I don't know, but I feel like the coach in almost any sport in general is, is a little bit overrated and over discussed in terms of like importance to the team. And we got to hire this guy and fire this guy. Obviously it matters. And like you can have a coach who's terrible and can't get his team going, but I I don't know if you need to be doling out millions and millions of dollars just to get this one particular person or like in the other sense, overreacting if they have a bad season, Uh, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, the players are playing the game and not the coach. But well, I guess you see this more like in the NFL when coaches get fired like midseason for for poor performance. And it's like, yeah, what what is this one coach going to do if the, the players just can't get it going? But um, in terms of college, yeah, I think the, the gold standard is just to find somebody pretty good, pretty consistent, try and lock that down for like a lot of years. Like you can see with Alabama and just try and avoid the the churn of a new guy every two to three years where you can't get that program like built. Yeah. Alabama found somebody who's pretty good, pretty consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I was thinking in my mind, but I didn't say it. You mean um, at football, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, sure. I, I, Daniel, I kind of disagree. Cause like, especially like, I'm sorry, LSU's not winning the women's national championship in basketball without Kim Mulkey coming. Like at all. I don't I don't have any faith in them. I think it goes from a one percent chance without her to a to you know the 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 whatever you know, whatever percent chance with her. I guess yeah, I guess maybe it makes more sense in like less or lower profile sports where one person can like make a yes. big difference in that regard where it's like who cares about LSU basket women's basketball if they got a bunch of no names and Kim Mulkey who's probably one of like maybe five kind of quote-unquote household names in women's basketball comes to the program and at that point you're like now we're cooking with some gas and people are, are buying in and, and that can 
like as we saw, get you the best players in the portal and, and lead you to success. So I, I do agree with that. I will agree with it to the extent that she's probably already made such a difference to warrant some of that. Cause I mean, LSU's had some, you know, some good women's basketball programs years, you know I mean? They named the court after uh, one of their coaches too much to our dismay. And they've made the final four, all that. But I mean, she's been packing out the PMAC, you know, she was last year when it's still like, and she's the one that hopefully maybe finally is going to get some renovations done to that place. Um, I guess the, so I'd say, yes, she definitely has warranted more. Uh, It's just, I feel like after two years, like, you know, Ed Orgeron had what three and he won a title and they kept him on. But then after that, it went downhill and they ended up owing him a lot of money. So just to avoid like more Bobby Bonilla anniversary ceremonies, (laughs) uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Bobby Bonilla Day. The Mets are still celebrating. Uh, I guess that's my thing is I have no problem if they want to overpay a coach. But and this is the, the pipe dream. Just wait till their first contract is over. Then assess. Because if she had a four year contract, what if? After this, not she won't, but if after that they had like a couple mediocre seasons, you know, it, like you said, it with LSU in 2019. Could you say that was more talent based or coaching based? Because <laughs> I would say stars are aligned with Joe Burrow and those receivers and some of those players on defense. Oh, hit it. Oh, hit the jackpot. Uh, and he would have to hit the jackpot to keep winning like that. True. So anyway, just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up. Anything else, guys? I think that's a wrap. Good, good podcast to be back. And yeah, looking forward to this game on Saturday. SEC play, yep. baby. It just means more. Yeah. Well, I think we're all in agreement. So she's going to take this one on the road early so that we have the, the evenings to do whatever and see, see what else happens in college football. However it shakes out, we will have it for you folks here next week on uh, the following edition of Talking Ticks. So until then, hope everyone has a great week. Stay safe, stay tuned, get up early on Saturday just because it's that week in the SEC. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Talking Ticks.